to Black Chicks Bible Study, where we are reclaiming the Bible one book at a time. This time, we are Esther talking about Esther, which is what, the 17th book of the Bible? This is kind of a short book. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Did you? It was a was great so story. I loved it. It was my favorite. So far, it might be. I mean, it was probably i think maybe the easiest to read because it was yeah. just literally like a little story and it made sense it was chronological it wasn't like half out of order and like a bunch of repetition so strong female protag not as strong as i thought though i felt like this book was more about what's oh mordecai mordecai yeah, yeah mordecai mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, great, a book named after a female. Like, and I mean, she's obviously huge central. and mm-hmm. central in the book, but at she's the same the time, uh, Mordecai's like the man. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely get into it. What do you have in terms of a testimony since last episode two weeks ago? Basically, just about me getting my house back in order. In the and, tradition of the temple and the uh-huh. resettlement. You know, the temple was destroyed, basically forgot about They had to rebuild it up and all that. They did do it because they were very, very dedicated and diligent in their work and work ethic. So that was what I was trying to take away. And I think I did that because I finally started my fast that I've been talking about for however long I've been talking about. I went to yoga and like we had a new teacher come in and basically her whole theme for her session was water and flowing and then like. I don't know, being reborn or mm. something like that. And it was all centered around like water and the element of water. She kept talking about being reborn. We did this thing where we were like in a cocoon and like mm, yeah. immersed as like a butterfly and all this stuff. Like it was the same day as the Lotus Wrestler, I remember. I was like already like walking to my yoga class, like talking myself into like, maybe I'll just start tomorrow because it's the Lotus Festival and there's so much good food and people will probably be drinking and Sunday's a better day to start anyway. But then like once I got to that class and it was like, be reborn, now's the time. I felt very convicted, like, no, today's the day Mm. you're supposed to start. Like I hadn't eaten that day. So I was just like, it's meant to be like, maybe I should just like suck it up. And yep, today's the day because if I keep pushing it off, then who knows what day. Yeah. That is my testimony. I said I was going to, like, get back in order, and I finally buckled up, did it, and have been doing what I need to do every day. I feel much, much better, more clear-headed, and more energy, and just more productive overall. So, Do you feel like fasting makes you feel good? So you attach kind of like a, um, or is it a spiritual thing to you? So you, like, feel convicted about it, or there's a very um, spiritual or moral attachment to fasting? Um, Partially, yeah. Like, I mean, definitely, I would say moral in the sense that if I can't trust myself to hold my word, like, I can't really necessarily trust myself to do other things that I've set out to do. Or Like, it's yeah. a confidence booster. If I say, hey, I'm not going to eat for the next two weeks, and I don't eat for so the next two weeks. So it's not necessarily just the eating. It's more of, like, I made this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and then the eating plays into it because, I mean, the main reason I wanted to fast in the first place is just because I've been really shitty eating habits and Mm. not eating regularly, just eating what I can when I can and usually very bad things and overindulging and not eating for like, you know, just really crazy. erratic. Literally, I can like feel the difference. Like I wake up froggy. And when I get like that, those are usually the times where I think about fasting because it's like a way to just kind of clear everything out, reset. I do feel much more energetic and clear-headed when I am fasting. What about I you? Mean, I don't remember what you said last week. Yeah, my last one was in honor of kind of how when they were rebuilding the temple, 
Um, they were building and kept having invaders like try to stop. But yeah, stop yeah, yeah, them. that happened. And they um, had um, like they had a tool. In oh one yeah, hand and a yeah. weapon in the other. Uh-huh. And I was like, I need to get better with like boundaries, realizing what it means to just think in a more morally complex way, where you're always trying to uphold certain values and like live in a way that you have integrity and you feel good about yourself, but also like have an agenda or like have something at stake and. I don't know, something about the temple, like building with one hand, knocking people away with your weapon with the other. Like we're getting done. (laughs) Yeah, I got something to protect, which I can apply that in a bunch of abstract ways. Mm -hmm. But I guess a couple of small examples, like where I felt it in the moment of like, oh, I'm doing that thing Uh was when I got like a couple of little communications Mm -hmm. from people, maybe where I had Mm -hmm. to snap back a little bit and be like, okay, thanks. And then that for me, there were a couple moments like throughout the weeks where I felt oh, I'm defending my boundaries here, or I have my mind made up about something. Like, you're and, not letting other people right, influence like, or push you. Like, exactly. you already know what you're going to I already like, know. I have a but vision. But you can listen to it and just be like, cool, whatever. Be respectful, yeah. but also, <laughs> like, have something to back people away from and be like, okay, I've got my own idea. I've got it figured out. Right. But I do, at the same time, I feel like I need so much advice all the time and I want my life to almost be a community effort where people are like here's what you should do or like everybody take a tool like that's how we should theoretically be with each other to get through life maybe Mm -hmm. but when people are like crossing boundaries or I did just feel a few moments of feeling strong yeah yeah exactly feeling more convicted Mm -hmm. and strong but anyway that's something I always have to work on is boundaries Anyway. Very good. Very moving good. on. Moving on. <laughs> so what happens in Esther 1? We talk about the reign of Xerxes the king, who mm-hmm. ruled from India to Kush, 127 provinces in total. So I just kept, while reading this, kept picturing like a cluster of different, you know, mm-hmm. small towns, diverse people. Each with their own culture. Kind of a bunch of cultures are clashing. So we've got Xerxes reigning. And he's really boastful. Right. He has this party. A <laughs> huge banquet. Banquet for 180 days. To, you know, show, show off as well. Mm-hmm. Show off all <laughs> the cool things he's acquired as king. What um, I did like, though, all were welcome. You know, this was an open event. Everyone in the town was welcome to come, you know, gawk at his goods and riches. You know what? <laughs> Not that much different from L.A. parties. You got to let the people in who are there to look at what you have. And you got to invite the people who are there to be looked at. To you got to have a balance. To see and be seen. Um, so he has people there to see all of his riches. A lot of his noblemen are there to be seen and beautiful women being shown off and and there, oh, I like that there was an open bar. Oh, yes. At the party, it says, Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. <laughs> By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. I like that a lot. I like <laughs> that, and also the fact that his queen, Queen Vashti, had her own little side party for, for the, the women. women. Yep, it was a whole banquet for them um, in the royal palace, but... Oh, yeah. Since it was open bar, he gets really drunk. Yes, right? on the final day of the banquet. Um, Wasted. He's drunk on wine. He's drunk dials. Uh, his wife, the, the wife. queen. He sends out a pack of eunuchs to get her, like, summoning his wife, like, bring me Queen Vashti to put her on display. In verse 13, it says, since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times. He had to, like, talk to them. Mm-hmm. 
and be like, you know, she should be here, you know? Yeah, because like, she consult denied her. him. She was yeah. like, no, I'm not coming over for whatever reason. Maybe she didn't want to be maybe put on display. Drunk. Maybe she was drunk too. She was enjoying her own night. I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> he had advisors and he's like, um, she didn't obey me just now. Like, what are yeah, our what's options? The next, yeah, what's the next step? Okay, she said no. <laughs> I guess the head advisor. Nothing replied um you know your queen has done wrong not only against the king but against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces basically saying like she disrespected you in front of everyone so now all the women of the land are going to disrespect their husband because yeah, she apple. started it. Yeah. yeah she started the trend of talking back to your husband i think husband. it's okay to say no yeah <laughs> exactly so he says if it pleases the king let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of persia and media which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who's better than she, telling him, like, get rid of her, get a new queen. Yeah, and then they also said, also make sure that all men know that they are better. Yeah. We need this written down, like, you better listen. So they send out a decree to each people in their Mm -hmm. own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household, so... What a fun start. I was actually so surprised it was early in the bible to see um men instructed that way even though it is it has i guess been laid out and implied and we know that that's like the rule of law but i feel like here i'm starting to see um, marriage really emerge and seems like more structured yeah Mm -hmm. more of a societal norm that's being put in writing and sending out a decree like don't forget husband (laughs) you're all still in charge don't let your woman get mouthy just because my (laughs) wife did we're gonna get rid of her i think the funniest too is that all she did was like not come and then right. turn into this whole like oh no all the other women, now they're gonna get yeah like really he told her to come see him and she could have like, been no. passed out she you're right it was like we need to write this law we need to stop mm-hmm. this nipping in the butt which goes to show kind of like how scared they are scared. exactly <laughs> like women are that much of a threat that if they any of them start mm-hmm. to slightly stand up for themselves it's at like, all <laughs> yeah it's like oh my yeah, we gotta insane. nip this in the bud insane. now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that is how it starts out. Chapter two. The king finally is kind of less angry and ready to move on. His attendant says no. You know, yeah. I think it's about time. I know it'll make you feel better. How about mm-hmm. we go round up some young pretty virgins for you? Verse three, he says, let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem of the citadel. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women and let beauty treatments be given to them then they have like a crazy ritual yeah, like, like 12 like months of getting bathed in like oiled up and i was like it sounds kind of nice like 12, yeah, a whole year yeah. spa treatment i, sign I might up. sign up for that yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't care and then he says then let the young woman who pleases the king be <laughs> queen instead of Vashti." so he gets to, to choose from all the of these beautiful. dolled up women. Imagine yeah. a year? Like, what are they doing for a year? Like, right? It really Imagine. reminds me of that Korean spa experience Ooh, where yeah. they, like, take the Brillo pad and scrub, scrub your entire like body. Um, and then they talk about the guy uh, Mordecai from the tribe of Benjamin. He's one of those exiles who've been carried from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. And he has a cousin, Hadassah, a.k.a. Esther. Apparently she's got a banging body and she's beautiful. And she's kind of like a daughter to Mordecai, apparently. Mm-hmm. 
like he took her in, I guess. Right, because her parents died and he raised her like a daughter and she ended up being one of those virgins who swept up in the... Because she's got that figure. Yeah. She basically came in, right, and she was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Hegai, the guy who's, like, running the thing. He's in charge of the harem. Apparently, she was, like, one of his favorites right away, right if away. not the favorite. It reminded me of, like, dating apps, too, because don't you think guys feel like kings now? Because they have, like, phones so full of, like, yeah, swipe, swipe, it's like swipe. a video game. It's a buffet. Yeah. But Esther, um, she was not allowed to say. Didn't Mordecai? Yeah, Mordecai tells her, like, don't Don't tell them where you're from. Yeah, Yeah, this whole time no one knows she's a Jewish, she's a Mm -hmm. chosen one. Once she gets her turn, right? Yep, her turn with the king. (laughs) He likes her, yeah, right away. And I guess there was this rule or something that they could ask for whatever they wanted to, like, help their chances of, Mm -hmm. like, winning approval like they all shared um uh, rings or yeah like accessories but but she she didn't choose any of that stuff yeah Yeah, she just like went in as herself yeah she didn't take any of the extras that they were allowed to she let the head of the harem suggest to her what she should bring but she asked for nothing other than what Hegai the king's eunuch suggested so she won favor that way i guess by being like modest. modest letting her natural beauty speak for itself so. Yeah, so he made her queen, right? And gave her a banquet right away. Mm-hmm. Yep, gave her that royal crown. A little fishy that they don't check at all into her background. Like, she could have been anyone. They're, they looking, they're that... looking at face here. We're, yeah. not, we're not worried about where you come from. They're like, with that like, body? Yeah, we're not worried about that. Yeah. So then Mordecai, I guess, finds out that she has become, you know, queen. Queen, And so he's actually trying to, like, look for her and look out for her, I guess. One day he overhears two of the king's men conspiring to kill the king. Two traitors talking openly about how they're going to assassinate Xerxes. Yes. So he basically goes and tells Esther. Mm-hmm. She then tells the king. And those men are then impaled on pole. That's yeah, it's interesting important. here that Mordecai found out about this and told Queen Esther directly. So at this point, he still apparently is, has to access her. to yeah. her. And then she tells the king right away, these guys are going to kill you. And that's when they get killed. Yeah, because I think that'll change in a little bit where mm-hmm. he's not directly going to her. But they got impaled. They did. Chapter three. So there's this guy, Haman, and he's one of Xerxes' men, and he kind of gets promotion at the beginning of the chapter. He's basically becoming like Xerxes' second-hand man, like right there with Right-hand man. Everyone has to bow down to this man, Haman, but yeah. Mordecai refuses. You know, every time the guy passes, he just refuses to bow down to Haman, and it's like a big deal. I think the thing is that like he's just doing it because like Jews don't do that. Because they make sure to note that he like revealed himself as a Jew. Yes, probably like, I don't bow down to... But does he bow down to King King? He does. Yes, he yeah, I think he bows down to the king, but maybe, you know, anybody other than that, maybe like. So that made Haman really off. mad. So basically, he goes to the king, he tells the king, we need to get rid of all, all the, the Jews. Jews. Because, like, their traditions and customs are allowing them Getting to disobey, in my way. you know, orders. And- so now this guy, Haman, is on the warpath for all of, yeah, all, all the, the Jews, Jews yeah. under the reign of Xerxes in this, like, 127 province area. So he tells the king, like, why he wants to do this, why he wants to, like, execute right. them. And he's, the king's like, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's, like, on board with it. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws, not in the king's best 
enough interest to tolerate them. The king took his ring from his finger and gave it to Haman. Haman had offered money. He wanted to give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators, basically saying, I'll pay the palace to kill these people. Right. The king is like, kill him for free. Right. Yeah. He's like, you don't need to keep your little pennies. <laughs> yeah. Keep the money and do with the people as you please. So he's got like free reign. He's got to steal, but he can steal all these letters with the king's ring and stuff. So basically, yeah, that's what he does. He writes up all these decrees. The provinces basically declaring that like from this night on, it's war on the Jews, like kill them. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate that's all the Jews. so harsh. Young and Destroy, old. kill, and annihilate. Three words that mean the same which thing. Order? And they needed to say. In which order? <laughs> that's how much they want to destroy them. Young and old, women, women and, and children. children. On a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month of the month Adar, and to plunder their goods. Interesting okay. that this is like, it's kind of like, what is that movie? Wasn't there like a day where there's just like anarchy and people are doing... The Purge? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Kind of like a Purge thing. Like on this day, everybody go! But mm -hmm. it's only against the Jews. Reading this, you know, we hear about the Holocaust, like a recent history thing, mm -hmm. and then you hear about the Jews being exiled and being abused, but reading this, yeah. yeah. And then in chapter four, Mordecai is, you know, seeking help, trying to stop this plot. He learned of all that had been done, I guess, because word is being put out. And Everybody's hearing about it. in biblical fashion, he rips all his clothes. Goes out into the city, of course, wailing loudly and bitterly. And then all the Jews begin to mourn and weep and fast. But Esther has all of these eunuchs and female attendants. They come and tell her, Mordecai. Mordecai's out there bald. Yeah, like get your she, she's trying to like send him clothes like oh you know Fix yourself drape up. yourself in these fancy clothes Looks um, but he doesn't want them he's that's not what he's there for so she has to send someone to find out why he's mad then he basically gives her eunuch or whatever hathic or whatever a copy yeah, um, so he gives a copy i guess right it's to... funny because they say the edict had been published in susa <laughs> so what does that mean in that day you know <laughs> um i guess they they're just take, writing on take. scrolls <laughs> so he tells Hathic. the representative to tell <laughs> esther so now he's like one person removed from her because he can't have direct access anymore. He can't just walk up to the, the palace and talk to her. Even though he raised her from infancy, now she's a queen. Unreachable. So he tries to get her via another person. He tries to convince her to go to the king and beg for mercy. And then her reply to that, though, was like, well, just remember anyone who goes to the king's court without being summoned ends up dead. Yep. Like, she's basically telling him, like, I can't just go in there. He has he to summon me. me. Yeah. I loved Mordecai's response to her. Basically, yeah. like, remember, you're a Jew, too. This is going to affect you. He says, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Uh, in verse 14 in chapter 4, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So it's fate. Somebody will save the Jews, whether it's you or not. If it isn't you, you're going to die. And if it is you, maybe that's why you're in this position. So so step up. Great, that's right? A good, that's a good convincing argument. Like, I would feel convicted by that. Like, oh I don't want to die. And, yeah. And Either also, way, if I die, I might die. And at least I can do something about it. Exactly. Now. Go down swinging. Go down for my people. Don't betray them. Mm -hmm. So Esther sends her reply to Mordecai and tells 
him to get all the juice together, go do a fast for three days, and she's going to fast with her own people, and then she'll go to the king. And she's thinking she's, like, risking her life by... She yeah, and she, yeah, she's like, if I perish, I perish. Yeah. So they go off and fast. Day Chapter five. five. On day three of the fast, Esther dresses in her royal robe, and she goes to the inner court of the palace to see the king. And he welcomes her. Like, he, I guess it's a symbol of, like, you can he come still likes her. She's still favored. <laughs> she comes in and he basically is like, what you want, girl? He literally says, what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given. So, like, I'll split everything with you. I like you that much, girl. He's, you got fine. Yeah, he's offering a divorce settlement before she even had any <laughs> request at all, which is... Yeah, I was like, that's his first. Like, uh, yeah. You, I'll give you half. <laughs> What do you like, want? Half of everything I own? I know. Okay, take uh, it. She could have just been coming in trying to have a little sexy time. Yeah, right? Like, like, like <laughs> Amazing. I was wondering about this king's character the whole time. Uh-huh. He does, like, kind of nice stuff, but it just seems like he's able to be swayed in either direction. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't he even know, even like, really... what is his deal, you know? Like, he doesn't even remember what he's saying. Like, the oh, whole yeah. thing at the end, he's like, who said It was like, Portia, who said that? He like, when he's like, who said that? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you signed off on this, bro. Like, what are you talking about? Huh? But anyway, that's for But who, can, him, who but... can blame him for being a little distracted anyway? Because he, he, yeah, he's drowning in the sea of virgins. And he had that queen for however long and got rid of her. So that might have been he's harsh. for something. Life. But she doesn't want half the kingdom. She doesn't want that. She just ask him to bring that guy. Come on. Come on. The evil Jew hater. Yeah, to dinner. So to that a she banquet. can talk to them. Just wants to have a little chat. He asked her again at their banquet. He's asking her again at the banquet, like, what is it? What do you, you want? want? Whatever you want, it's yours. He asked her again, but she basically is just like, let's do this again tomorrow. We'll yeah, tomorrow. this banquet was for me to ask you to come, come back tomorrow again. to <laughs> another banquet, and right. then I'll tell you. Yeah, it's like, okay, this meeting is to ask for another. It's like, she was so afraid of dying for even approaching him, and now she's taking up yeah. extra time. <laughs> but said it right there. Maybe he didn't drink enough. They did mention they're drinking wine. I think she does want him like a little bit extra Saucy. drunk, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, in the right up. mood the mood wasn't right for her request and he offers again half of his kingdom free of charge yeah so <laughs> the worst negotiator i'll just give it all to you and she's like nope 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 just another <laughs> banquet tomorrow and then haman leaves this first banquet like happy he just was invited with the king and the queen to like dine and right and um, then he's gonna come back tomorrow for another feast. and he's so excited but on his way out he, he sees mordecai again not bowing to him isn't that crazy how one little thing can ruin your whole movie? Yep. It really brought him down. So he had to call together his friends and his wife to complain to them. Um, he is bragging about everything he owns because of living at the palace and being the king's right-hand man. I have all this stuff as well. I have sons. And I'm the only person that Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she's invited me along with the king tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai <laughs> sitting at Damn. the king's gate. The one little person can sour your whole Yeah, I mean, why can't you just focus on the fact you're going to the banquet? Yeah, like, look at the bright side. Mordecai just really ruined it, so they all tell him to get a 50-foot pole and impale him. Of course. Because um, that sounds like the duh. A height of 50 cubits is about 75 feet oh, tall of a pole to impale Mordecai on. I mean, that that's their new extra. plan. Yeah, a little extra. That sounds like a lot of work for you. I mean, it says this suggestion delighted Haman and he had the pole set up. Good plan. Chapter six. Apparently, the king has like 
insomnia one night. Mm-hmm. And he's up and he decides he wants to read through Chronicles for fun. Mm-hmm. The Chronicles his... of his own reign so far. And then during his reading, he finds out it's actually Mordecai who was the one that found out about those people who were conspiring to kill him. Mm-hmm. But then he asks his attendant, what have we done for Mordecai? How has he been thanked? Because he basically, I mean, he saved his life. Yeah, so, like what honor and recognition yeah. has Mordecai received for this? And they were like, nothing has been done yeah, for him. <laughs> and because Haman is just like standing around in the court, the king calls him in to tell him he should be in charge of honoring Mor- Mordecai for saving the king's life way back when. What happens is he says, how should I? Mm-hmm. Thanks to the one who's so noble. Yes, and not he doesn't Mordecai. tell him Haman thinks he's talking about himself because he's such a freaking idiot and thinks he's so awesome and likes to brag to his family. So he thinks he's talking about, oh, like like he's excited all this good stuff the king, you know, the queen has invited yeah. to this banquet and blah, blah, blah. Like now the king wants to like do something special for me. And so he tells him all these like extravagant, oh, well, this is what I would do. The king is like, what would you do for someone who the king wants to honor? Right. And Haman is like, yeah. He thinks thinking it's like himself. a surprise birthday party for himself. Like, oh, so I would like <laughs> yeah. five unicorn cakes. That's what I would do. This is so creepy though. He <laughs> wants to wear a robe that the king has worn. He just yeah. wants to like smell the king on him, wear a fancy, nice robe. And then ride on a horse that the king has ridden because he wants to be the king. He wants to be the king for a day and be basically like paraded around town. Like yeah. on his head. Yeah, he wants to be led around on the horse through the city with everybody proclaiming be before like, yes, him. Yes, he's so great. Yeah, so the king tells him, go at once, get everything you suggested, get the robe and the horse, and it's get Mordecai, Mordecai the Jew. And it's from Mordecai. <laughs> Bam, surprise bitch. <laughs> and he says, do not neglect anything you've recommended. Like, don't leave out any of that stuff. <laughs> you just... Stuff. Listed off. So he does. He goes and gets all the stuff from Mordecai, leads him through the streets, saying, This is how the king gets down with the people he likes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then after that, he goes home and tells his family mm-hmm. about all the horror that just happened. They're basically saying, Don't try to fight him. Yeah, they're like, That's what happens when you try to go against a Jew. Yeah, maybe like, they, they stick together. They know yeah. that his people would back him and they would retaliate because they're saying, like, Your fall is happening in front of his eyes. Right. Like, like, you're like, being humble. Stop now. Yeah, just stop. exactly. Like stop while you're not ahead, but before Even you're. It was their idea to dead. kill him on the seventy-five. Right. They're now saying, "Oh, you should back up." Yeah, because he doesn't have the power anymore. The mm-hmm. king is like taking the power and putting it onto Mordecai. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the eunuchs arrive and hurry him there. away from his family to the banquet, that famous banquet where Esther is finally going to reveal her request. Mm-hmm. Chapter seven. So yeah, they're all at the banquet. They're drinking, mm-hmm. having a good time. So mm. She finally says that her petition is that the king grants her life and spare her people. Grant me my life and spare my people. This is my request. And she, like, explains to him, like, we were just going to go into slavery or something like that. Like, I wouldn't even bother you with this. It wouldn't be worth your yeah. trouble at all. But, so, like, this says annihilate, kill, and destroy. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're being bought to be destroyed. I would rather us be slaves, but please save our lives. And then that's when he's like, wait, who said that? <laughs> who said that was okay? Yeah, who is he? Where is yeah, he? The man, that? What man? What man? The man who's dared to do such a thing. And oh Esther God. says, an adversary an enemy, this vile Haman. 
right no. in front of Hamada at the banquet. Dang. What a baller move. Yas queen. Damn. I just picture her standing up like this. Wants to exterminate my people. Like yeah. right under your nose. So then like Hank gets up in a rage and leaves and then Haman begins begging the queen for his life. I guess at one point he's kind of like yanking at her and stuff and the king sees that he's like falling on the couch they say. Yeah. Like yeah you know him bothering the queen makes him even angrier. The king exclaimed mm-hmm. well he even molested the queen while she is with me in the house? Like dang. Yeah. Like not only is mm-hmm. he uh, the mastermind behind this plot but he wants to like molest my wife in and front of me. And her yeah right in front of my face. So then one of the attendants named Harbona Tattletales that there's a 50 cubit pole mm-hmm. by Haman's house that was set up for Mordecai. And so then the king's like oh really? Well you know what how about we go ahead and have Hanam impaled on that. Yes that pole is now for Haman now, and not for Mordecai. Yeah, so they impaled him. Yourself, like. Yeah and it says then the king's fury subsided. Once he was able to impale him he's okay he's gone everything back to normal right? Careful what you wish on your worst enemies it might happen oh, to you. Yep very true careful what you wish for for anybody. And then in chapter eight we have a new edict mordecai basically like takes over the position of haman or the king takes off his ring and gives it to mordecai because like he basically gives all of hanan's estate to the queen who then gives it to mordecai yes he's taken over yeah and then she kind of like thinks she tells him right that they're like how she knows him mm-hmm. which i think also is like i don't want to say pleasing and the king's i guess you know the fact that they have that really their actual relationship i feel like that makes mordecai even more valuable valuable to the king so gives him that ring and then um esther pleads to the king to um basically like reverse the edict that said it was okay to kill jews now she's like tell everyone (laughs) yeah now she's like tell them not to so there's got to be a new edict yeah we need the paperwork sent out (laughs) to be issued as law in every province they tell them they can write whatever they feel necessary the edict is for the Jews. They have the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children, to plunder the property of their enemies. So he's basically like on a specific day giving them the power to fight back and not just be killed. Like they, they underpower, right? They don't have to take it. It won't be illegal to kill the people who are trying to kill them. I think it's funny for like the second time he's kind of too. And this is probably what kings did do. They just trusted their people because he doesn't actually like write anything. He's just like, all right, here, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you he think has needs people to, be, to handle that. Yeah, whatever you think needs to be written. Here's the ring. Like just, you know, like stamp it. Like, yes. Because it says is, um, Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring and sent them by mounted couriers. I guess he's saying like, now write the decree in the king's name, like referring to him. So he said, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. So he told Mordecai, you know, as long as you have my seal or whatever, it'll be fine. So yeah, that granted the Jews a right to fight back and plunder. Then Mordecai get dressed in these new fabulous royal clothing. And the Jews, they all celebrate. And yes. Apparently people Victory. start becoming Jewish out of fear because they're like, they're really powerful people. Like they got this whole thing like yeah. turned around. So apparently people gotta are join like, them. also becoming Jewish. Yeah. They want to be on the, the winning side. Yeah, many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews have eased them. Yep, if you can't beat them, join them. So that's kind of like their festival celebration that they're saying. Yeah, it's a whole celebration around this new edict. 
I think the edicts also should have said, like, don't harm the Jews, but they, they didn't even said, go that far. It should have been, like... It should have just been, like, this is Back legal. off. Like, the, yeah. you can no longer go out and kill all the Jews. The yeah. like, that seems like it would have been a much more... <laughs> Rather than... Solution. Adding another side to the war. Of like, right. okay, fight back, everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <laughs> chapter nine. So the day finally arrived. It is. This is supposed to go down. The thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar, is when the edict was to be carried out. But now the Jews actually had the upper hand in the situation. Mm-hmm. So like people were actually too scared of them, and no one actually stood up to them. Yeah, and they make it sound like a preemptive attack. Like, the Jews assemble all around the provinces, around the people who are determined to destroy them. So they already know who's going to come for them. Yeah, like, they They're know. armed and ready. Nobody comes for them. And, and everyone's like, oh, shit, like, they're prepared. Yeah. Like, I guess we should probably not do this. Yeah, like, backing down. So then, says Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful. It yeah. does say the Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. They did what they pleased to those who hated them. Oh, and so, they did kill him now. Yeah, they kill um, the ten sons, right? Of come on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Esther requested that of the king. <laughs> Can we require that that evil man's sons get killed? Yeah. He's like, sure. And that isn't really supposed to be a Jewish um, law of Moses, like approved thing. Like you really shouldn't be killing Chill, children kill, for the sins of their father. Like that was one of the things that I think in the last book we read that was um and earlier than that that was like don't but anyway she's yeah, got her own in, uh, way of doing things it says on the 14th day because this happened on the 13th day so on the 14th day they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy so this is the day that they're still supposed to the jewish people are still supposed to celebrate and give presents to each other so purim is the annual celebration 14th and 15th days of the month of adar um to celebrate the day that jews got relief from their enemies they turned it all around not only relief but got to yeah got to turn the tables and kill other people that they thought would kill them pause for so i'd probably make that a holiday as good a reason as any other for a holiday so they call it days of feasting and joy giving presents of food to one another gifts to the poor so the jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun doing what mordecai had written to them so yeah a new custom new tradition for the family esther that was her huge contribution to the culture establishing that whole thing and being the person who orchestrated everything with Mordecai. See um, where you can go with your looks, ladies. I know. All she, all she had to do, whole nation. really, literally, all they said about her in the beginning was that she had a great figure and was beautiful. So, and then chapter 10 is really short. It's just basically just saying Mordecai is like the second to the king. It's like Mordecai, the Jew, was second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews. He held in high esteem, basically just like ending on how great Mordecai was, I feel like. He didn't give him a shout out. Held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Which Wonderful. Why? I was like, see, they didn't even end about Esther. It's like Mordecai, Mordecai. Oh yeah, he gets the credit at the end. He really did like pull the strings from outside the kingdom, and then she was his like woman on the inside to really make it happen. But yeah, without her it wouldn't have happened. But if she didn't lie about her origin and being Jewish at all, she wouldn't have even gotten into that position. So um, she really was like the important key to getting to the king. And she had to do a little bit of, in the tradition of that uh, philosophy of like beyond good and evil, she had to do a little of her own finagling for the bigger picture of saving her people. What was your favorite part about this book? Um, 
I liked all the plotting and the craftiness and her being like, come to this banquet. No, come to this banquet. And I loved that moment of her like outing him at the table. The king might have been vaguely aware or I guess he like didn't realize that his right hand had been taking so much authority or something. And I liked that she was willing to put herself on the line after being convinced by Mordecai. She had to be nudged to do the right thing. But it didn't take too much. No. She was like, yeah, you're right, you're right. If I die, I die. Like she turned around pretty quick. Pretty gangster. Yeah, I love that attitude. If I die, I die. I'll do the right thing. Yeah. What about you? Did you have a favorite part? I just liked everything that happened with Haman. I love a good revenge story, but it's even better when you don't even have to like do anything to get it. So it's just like funny. Yeah. And I just like that whole like... He really shot himself like, in the I foot. I'm going to impale him. Blah, blah, blah. And then to get impaled on that very same stick that you made for this Jewish guy. Yeah. It's like everything was so funny to me that like him you know saying, oh, you should get them the finest robes that the king had worn and Mm -hmm. like all of it was just hilarious so yeah definitely deserved to be impaled and have all of his sons impaled you know (laughs) you know Um, how did he even do that I wonder just voice them up yeah do they toss them up people just toss them and hope they land on the floor (laughs) exactly (laughs) like There are easier ways. It is very demonstrative and theatrical, though, to be able to show a body on a high pole. Super, yeah. That's true. I would be, frankly, very honored if I were assassinated that way. Like, wow, it was important enough to be. I was doing something right. Anyway, can you think of anything that you gathered from it or any moral message or anything? I think the thing that spoke out to me the most, always going back to hand mm-hmm. like idea of like not letting like the one little rotten thing or like just shift Spoil the whole bunch. Yeah, being able to shift focus, but I definitely, especially I think going out and in social situations, like if I'm at a club or if I'm in a bar or something and there's someone around whose energy is just, uh, or they're like doing something that like bumps me, you know, like if I'm otherwise having a good time and there can, oh, I feel like this happens not often, but like more, you know, occasionally. Mm-hmm. that like you know I can definitely like a night where I'm out having fun can turn into like this sour like, yeah, sour like and I just feel like you know I'll still be out but I'm not having like a good time and I'm constantly worried about like this yeah. person that's like around me or like the person that keeps bumping in like, yeah. and like I hate that so much and I think and social situations it's a lot harder for me because it's like there's no escape really other than just leaving a lot yeah. of time. or like Gotta yeah, go, like, yeah like you know what it. yeah like <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, so my takeaway is maybe in those situations, making it more effort or a more priority to like find something else to focus on yeah. and try to like divert my attention. But it's really hard for me sometimes too, because I think I am too, like just sometimes extra, extra sensitive uh-huh, to people's too. energy. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's just like, I, yeah, I can't shake it. it yeah. yeah, it's like, I can't shake it. So it's like, but trying to be better in that sense, because like, even if I am always like sensitive like that, I'm sure I can be less or train myself to be a little less bothered by certain things so like that's going to be my good one I'm trying to think of a word of faith or something to take away. But the thing I loved, I guess we talked about it a little bit, but just um, Esther being willing to step up. I love that passage about, um, or the moment where Mordecai tells her, you're going to be killed because you're a Jew. Don't forget you're a Jew. And also, who knows? Like, maybe you're here right now for this reason to take care of this. Like, there's something really cool. Significant happening. Yeah, Yeah, because there wasn't much, there wasn't any mention of God. This Mm -hmm. is another book where... Oh, yeah, 
Huh. Yeah, there was no yeah, mention. That's true. And it was just people doing what they felt was right to preserve their life and the life of their were people. Lining up, and things like, were lining up yeah. in a serendipitous <laughs> way. Exactly. So he's referring to fate in that way or God of being like, maybe you're here right now to handle this. And she's like, right. okay. Like, so just that idea of stepping up. Um, also, on the part of the people that you represent or feel allegiance to, and I guess for me, that would always people. be the black, black people, poor people, working people. That's like all I ever care to represent. And I'm not going to have like a huge moment in the next couple weeks where I have to take a stand. How do you know? But <laughs> How do you know? Well, I welcome an opportunity, no. but I don't know. I will meditate on that, just being true to my core and my people, and um, also confronting any tough situation that I'm in. And I'm always going through a lot life-wise, especially this year. I feel like any challenge that comes up, I can approach it with a spirit of, okay, I'm here now, alive and well. Maybe uh, this has befallen me so that I can confront it in a healthy way and I'm going to learn from it. It'll have a positive effect or like maybe there will be a moment or two where that will come up. This is why this is happening. Like, you know what? Like, this sucks right now, but you know what? I can can handle it. Yeah. This might be happening. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe fate put me in this position to learn something. Mm -hmm. You never no. Um, anyway, Yay. our next book is Job. very famous book of Job. Yes, it's which, a long one too. I've, is it? I've already kind of. I'm like, yeah, I need silver a little. Split it up a yeah. little. I mean, I know a lot of BS happens to Job. I think Satan will come into the picture as a real full like character yeah, for the first that time. That part I don't remember. Like yeah. I remember all the like bad stuff happening. I you think know, it's but them I don't making remember. a bargain with oh, each other. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that Which part. Which is kind of cool if it oh. is Satan's first real introduction. Because, right. like, to be in this bargaining thing with God is, like, a very powerful villain intro, mm-hmm. I think, you know? True. So we'll see. We shall see. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank Tune you. in in two more weeks for Black, Black Chicks Bible, Bible Study. Bible study.